And Rhino, he's not even an issue. I don't sweat Rhino. Are you ready? Yes, it's the Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he knows. 400 And out come Rhino. Rhino. I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the haters. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he knows. 400 I just want the paper. I done came down so clean. I'm shining on the hater. Ain't none better than me. Paint wetter than he knows. 400 degrees. Rhino! It's Rhino! It's Rhino! Hell, it's Rhino! The veteran Rhino came in. Rhino Wrestling Review back once again brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com and I am joined via the magic of the interwebs by Jason Calcibetta. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, doing well, doing well. And I got to give uh, give you a shout out because uh, this show was entirely formatted by you. So if it sucks, you can hit him up at BigJ2197 <laughs> on the Twitter machine. Uh but I think that you did a fantastic job of getting us uh, set up with our topics for today. I'm proud of you, young man. Thanks, man. I know that. Uh, I'm sure you were shocked because when I said I, I was, the, <laughs> I said I would write the format. You were kind of like, oh, okay, impact, impact. I, impact. I just figured it'd be a, a tribute to the legendary career of uh, Johnny Swinger or something like that. <laughs> the Swingman, baby. The, oh, the Swingman. All the Mizarks and. <laughs> He's got his fanny pack with his pizzles in it. Hey, you had a fanny pack on when we went out for your birthday. Yeah, I had some uh, kizoins in it. <laughs> some tizokins for my bizarre day. I'm speak. I'm speaking uh, Carney for those of you that don't uh, that don't know what the hell we're talking about. Uh, as we record this, Impact is going to be on in a couple hours, so we got to get you. Uh, we got to get through this stuff so you can watch your uh, get in front of your. Uh, phone and watch impact <laughs> i don't watch it on my phone dan what are you watching ipad there's a twitch app for the fire oh, okay okay can't hide money i guess <laughs> so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna start off segment one with take five gonna hit some news and notes in the world of pro wrestling hit a potpourri of topics then we'll take a break and do some emails in segment two so let's start off with take five one two three four five five Three, two, one. Oh man, I'm lying. It's number five. Number one. Pretty much the biggest story in the world of pro wrestling this year, I would say even more than the effects of COVID-19 on the industry, has been the hashtag speaking out that has been taking place over the last several weeks with seemingly dozens of pro wrestlers and management and company owners getting called out uh, for a variety of uh, different abuses, uh, whether it be sexual abuse, whether it be mental abuse, uh, whether it be uh, inappropriate interactions with uh, underage uh, men and women. Uh, Jason, hashtag speaking out. What were your initial feelings when the, when we were bombarded with this uh, typhoon 
of information because it seemed like every 10 minutes there was another name coming out and some of them big prominent names in the world re- world of pro wrestling what were just your initial feelings about uh, all of the accusations that have been coming out over the last few weeks I mean, to me, it was just disgusting. I mean, I don't have a way to sugarcoat it much more than that. It's just, it's awful. And it, you know, we, we grew up hearing all these stories of, you know, the larger than life characters and all that stuff. And uh, little, little did we know that that kind of stuff was going on even in, you know, the, the high school gyms mm-hmm. that, you know, you, you know, me and you have been to 10 of those shows, you know, hundred of those shows. Or you wonder, which I'm not saying anything happened there, mm-hmm. you know, but just makes you, who knew it was the, that level? Mm-hmm. Personally, it, it's just disgusting, and the culture for wrestling needs to change, definitely. Well, well I think uh, what you just said a second ago is is a point to go worth going back to. It, it is not just in the, the upper echelon of pro wrestling companies. It's a top-to-bottom issue. It's a systemic issue. All the way from WWE, all the way down to, you know, the local indie shows that draw, you know, 10 to 30 people. It is a, it was really, I I don't know, I kind of went from sad to disappointed to angry. I kind of ran like the gamut of emotions in there uh, in the last few weeks. And it's really kind of impacted my love of pro wrestling a little bit because a lot of these people that have had these accusations come out about them we've seen them at small shows we've um, met some of them at at these indie shows we've enjoyed others uh, of their work over the over the years on television and and at live shows and it just it really you know makes you think you know who's going to be the next one of my favorites that's going to have something negative come out about them they always tell you don't meet your heroes and this is kind of uh, it's kind of a uh, a version of that and that we have these characters that we we look up to and these and these athletes that we look up to and it turns out that a lot of them not all of them but a lot of them are just big pieces of shit <laughs> i mean i didn't mean to laugh but yeah and uh you know it's 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 crazy how it trickled out like that and i think that was very uh like moving how you know one person came out and then all of a sudden everyone's like well if you know she came out i can come out and vice versa and you know it seemed like a lot of it started with the uk scene Mm -hmm. you know over there now i don't i'm very ignorant when it comes to that area of pro wrestling so i can't speak to that yeah i'm the same same it's it just seemed like a lot of it was across the pond and then you started you know hearing some of the training stories and i thought those were some of the worst mm-hmm. you know you got 15 16 year old people learning to wrestle and we're going to take full advantage and it's it's awful it's, yeah a, a lot of it you know it starts all the way back at the beginning of of some of the careers for some of these people that have that are, have come out and told their stories like you said it goes all the way back to when they first started training and they were taken advantage of and they kind of felt like I think if I want to be in this business, this is just the way it is. This is just normal. And unfortunately, that acceptance of normal has has become, you know, what the business ha- has it is now. And luckily, 
you know, some people were courageous enough to speak out. And, you know, it started first with David Starr, who was kind of the first person to be accused and he's always been i don't i don't know if you know much about david Starr. i i saw him wrestle at wrestlemania weekend last year and i've seen some of his indie stuff i know he's always been a guy who's talked about you know trying to unionize and i'm doing you know i'm doing all these things for the boys and you know fuck wwe and because they're this big corporation that doesn't care about anybody so i always kind of had this you know uh image in my mind of david Starr is kind of like this good guy for the for the boys and it turns out that he has been you know abusing you know his his uh girlfriends and has you know both emotionally and and some claim even physically and it seems that um he's not the guy that we thought he was and then we get you know stories about jimmy havoc coming out and my boy and then we get the uh sammy guevara uh rape statement that he made on a podcast several years ago about sasha banks that that came to life and then we had the uh chikara shutting down because the owner mike quackenbush was which it sounds like a made-up name by the way accused of abuse uh wrestling you know he had uh pics of like his girlfriend with bruises that he showed to everybody and said that she likes it rough and then uh joey ryan all these stories came out and michael elgin and dave chris for you know all various forms of of misconduct we even had like the mlw announcer uh mark haggerty who had uh it was having you know accusations of inappropriate text with a minor and nwa vice president dave lagana and marty skrull who apparently had you know sexual uh contact with a 16 year old over in uh in england it he uh, admitted that he yeah. said that he goes it's legal mm-hmm. over there and i was mm-hmm. like holy shit like and then it came out that you know she might have been like intoxicated at the time and he took advantage of her and and so there's there's diff- there's different sides to to everything too and I guess he really is a villain, Dan. Yeah, he is. He's he's living the gimmick, baby. He's living his gizimic. <laughs> you know, but he, uh, you said something about um, about Marty Skrull about how he admitted to it, and I'll, and some of these wrestlers have come out and said that, yeah, I was inappropriate in the past. I shouldn't have done that, and that's been met with a variety of responses. Some people are are giving them credit for you know acknowledging that they had an issue and that they want to get better and then other people were saying well you're just trying to kind of deflect a little bit you're trying to you know kind of take the heat off you by saying that you made some bad choices not as bad as the choices that you're being accused of but you made you know some bad choices uh it's been uh it's been a wild ride and and it doesn't it doesn't just go with the the lower tiered indie guys, you know. It went all the way up to uh, AEW, where we talked about Jimmy Havoc and Sammy Guevara, but also to WWE with the accusations of sexual assault against Jack Cal- Gallagher, with the accusations against Matt Riddle, which are still under investigation. And then the one that really broke my heart was the one about the Velveteen Dream. But there's been some. There's been some smoke around the Velveteen Dream for a while there, hasn't there? Yeah, I mean, it seems like something comes out every couple months to a year 
about, you know, the dream sending pictures to somebody or... Um, and I kind of refer to that to, like, uh, Michael Elgin's kind of the same way. It seems like where there's smoke, there's fire, mm-hmm. you know, and it always just seems to be something. And I want to go back to the point you said about some people, uh, you know, coming out with it. I want to just... I thought Sammy Guevara handled things really well. Mm-hmm. He, he apparently called Sasha Banks and talked to her directly before making a public apology. And that, and I thought that was just two professionals, you know, at the top level. You know, yeah, he has a lot to learn yet, and, and I'm not defending it, but, I mean, four years ago, he was 18 years old. Yeah. I believe. Think of the stupid shit we yeah, did. no doubt. No old, doubt. You know, and just, so... I mean, I'm not trying to cut him any slack there with that, but, that, you know, I think he handled it in a very good way compared to some of these other people. Joey Ryan just disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, he, fig- he figures if he hides, then, then all his yeah. problems will go away. He make a statement, but who would have thought the guy that was dick-flipping people? Yeah, and shoving, you know, shoving su- you know, suckers in his trunks and then shoving them in people's mouths and up their ass. And who would have thought that he dick- would be a, a weirdo, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, it's our, funny because he came out being, <laughs> yeah, being this big guy for intergender wrestling and mm-hmm. he supported it and all that. Well, now it makes you like look back and be like, wait a minute, mm-hmm. like you piece of shit. Like, yeah, maybe, you know, yeah, there was maybe there was a reason you were wanting to do the intergender wrestling because you're yeah. uh, you're, not, you're not as great of a guy as you, you sound or you make yourself sound. But there was even stuff like uh, Will Ospreay, who wasn't even accused of doing anything himself. But he was accused of uh, blackballing uh, a female wrestler who had came out with an accusation about his friend. So, you know, it's not just the people that are actually doing these impure acts. It's the people that are enabling it as well. And it goes, you know, if we're... If we're continuing to book people because just because we know they'll sell tickets and we know that they're doing these inappropriate things, you're part of the problem. You know, if you're covering for your friend and you know blackballing somebody from the from getting bookings and making a living, you're part of the problem. And there was even the story about Paige's mom came out. Paige. Uh, yeah, Paige here. The uh, allegations and Paige's mom has apparently retired. Uh, I didn't even know she was still wrestling, but apparently she retired because of the allegations of abuse against their trainees. But then, you know, they go back and they play uh, clips of when Paige was on the Stone Cold podcast. And Paige was telling stories about how when Daniel Bryan came over to work for uh, for their promotion and he witnessed these things and she was joking about it. So, yeah, that that, that was the Knight family drama. Yes. mm -hmm. Is that what they... Yeah, and I was, and then there was a bunch of people that came out just saying, "Oh, all those people are terrible, mm-hmm. all of them." You know, yeah. it kind of makes you realize maybe a little bit more of how messed up she is. You know, some of yeah. the stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, you, and and not to and not to hate on a girl because I don't. How old's Paige now? She's still in her twenties, right? Yeah, she's got to be. Yeah. But you know, the, the stuff that she's done, the become famous for the last few years, the videos and, and stuff like that, and, you know, the getting double teamed by, you know, du- WWE superstars and, get, and, and filming it, and, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, like, she's been in this business her whole life, and if this business has such top-to-bottom issues, especially with, you know, treatments of, treatment of females, 
what kind of stuff has, has she been through? I mean, she's probably had no chance of having, you know, a normal existence. No. No, and that's, it's, yeah, she's 27, by the way. I had wow. to enter and look it up here at the and house. house. And has been retired for, for a while now, too. Yeah, you so know. that's crazy, you know. And that's what, the thing came out about, you know, Brock Lesnar showing off his dick mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Yeah. And that, and you know, and it's, you know, we got this stuff a couple years ago, Randy Orton oh, making yeah. Yeah. Making guys shake his dick, you know, yeah, as a, like oh, on uh, their first day on the job. Yeah, like, hey, how you doing? Here, grab it. Oh yeah. Like, oh, you're too, you're too uh, much of an important person to, you know, shake my, shake my hand, aka my dick. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I don't get like why that's, why that's allowed, why that's acceptable, you know, but uh, you know, it kind of makes us think about. Who's been? We already talked about some of the people who've already been let go. Uh, we talked about Joey Ryan, Michael Elgin, Dave Chris from uh, Impact. Jimmy Havoc is apparently uh, going to uh, rehab. Uh, Sammy Guevara has been suspended. Uh, the entire Chikara promotion is, is shut down. Jack Gallagher's gone. Uh, I believe uh, the entire Progress promotion has been shut down for the. Uh, at least the time being, uh, bar wrestling, which was Joey Ryan's promotion, appears to be done. It makes you wonder who's going to be next. It makes you wonder what other promotions are going to be in trouble. But the thing we really need to talk about is what needs to change in wrestling and how do we start? I mean, do you have any even starting point for what we can do to... Because it's it's a bigger problem than either you and I can can tackle, but... Is there anything that comes to mind that makes you think of things we could do that might be at least a good start? How about just not be a piece of shit? I mean, how that's about, that's a, that's, I mean, a, just, that's good words to live by, just in general. I mean, how about just be a nice, a normal human being? <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 it's, just, it's embarrassing. You know, now I I can say I've never witnessed anything like that at any of the local shows here in the St. Louis area. You before anyone jumps on the. Twitter machine and thinks we're talking shit because that's couldn't be farther from the truth for anything in our area. Mm-hmm. We have two great local promotions at minimum here, and I've never seen anything at least you know here. But I mean, what we can do? I mean, I think it's, I think it's, this is a big first step. You're outing some of the problems, mm-hmm. and I think you know that's one way to move forward. Yep. You know, I you can't go. This way, you don't have to worry. Could you imagine being one of those ladies and walking into a show for 200 bucks? Then you got to go, and you know that you know Joey Ryan's going to be there, and he's probably the biggest name on the card. And you're like, "Fuck!" You know, here we go again. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, I don't even want to know what that feels like personally. You know, and it, just a quick fact: it's not all girls. You know, there's mm-hmm. guys that came out with some of their stories. Which I know usually gets swept under the rug because we're guys and yeah, and people say, "Oh, okay, you know, you're trying to get in on the movement," but you know, I know exactly. No, what, I think what it was Keith, what was that? Keith Lee came mm-hmm. out with a couple stories, you yep. know, because he's the big, strong, you know, guy, mm-hmm. and they don't think he has feelings. But it's just, you know, I think this is just a big first step. You know, it's very, you know, small, small step, but. I mean, this is how else do you move forward if yeah. you, you don't know the actions, you know? Well, I got a couple things that, you know, you talked about the the training and how, you know, some of these women, especially, you know, the underage women, were having these poor experiences with training. Why not have female coaches present at all times? 
you know why not yeah. why not have female I'm not not saying that males have to train males and females have to train females because I honestly think that that would regress some of their uh, improvements you know I think that you need to work with people that are better than you in order to get better and you know sometimes you have to you know to learn a certain skill maybe the best person to teach you that is a guy but why not have you know female uh, trainers and ha just have a presence in all these schools and classes uh, you know it, it, it's not going to hurt to do background checks on on wrestlers either before bringing them into your promotion I know you know probably the the big companies usually do that but I think a lot of these smaller shows probably don't do that and you're not going to weed out all the bad guys that way but you might you know catch a couple and if you catch a couple and save somebody uh, a night of misery that's going to affect them for the rest of their life that's you know definitely worth it um, you know I've been talking I talked I was on Dougie Wrestling's podcast this past week uh, S shout out to STF Underground our fellow podcast here on prowrestling.com but I mean th there needs to be a, a, a wrestler's union man I mean you're you're a union guy and <laughs> you but coming with you know and I mean you know I'm quasi a union guy because i i pay dues but we don't have you know uh they basically just collectively bargain for us we don't have you know striking rights or anything like that but when you're part of a union there's extra supports built in that come with it there's things you know like mental health outlets available and i think a lot of i think a lot of those things would would do well for uh, especially women in the world of pro wrestling, if, if they were unionized, because you know, if if things could be proven, or if you know, if somebody is uh, in the union and does something inappropriate, they just they can't work anymore. You know, they just they just won't be able to work anymore. Maybe that's the way it needs to be. And there needs to be you know supports put in place. There needs to be. Uh, safeguards put in place and I think a union would be you know that's what a union does a union you know takes care of its workers and protects its workers and there there's been this big fight to keep wrestlers from unionizing all the way back to when Jesse the body was trying to do it in the 80s but maybe it's time man you know maybe it's maybe it's time for for something like that to to come about but like you said it we're going to continue to follow this because I'm sure this is not the end of it I uh, kind of hope it's not the end of it. I kind of hope it's just the beginning of things uh, starting to get better, and that we can, this can be the the spark that hopefully lights the uh, light of the light of positivity going forward for uh, just the professional wrestling as a whole. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I agree, man. It's I like both those ideas actually. That's the especially like uh, you mentioned the the union that I'm in. When we do pull, like if I am discussing something with a female coworker, there's always a third person yep. in yep. the room mm -hmm. at all times, and I understand that's a totally different scenario from what you know they're dealing with here. Yeah, but that's I mean that's yeah. just an example yeah. of things like no, a, 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 no a God, please no 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 <laughs> of protections and safeguards that are in place. You know the. To, 
to to help protect people that are that are part of a union, and that's that's the whole point. But I don't know if we'll ever see it in our lifetimes. But I'm I'm I hoping we do because it would be a good thing for you know, not, and not just for that, but also for you know for pay and insurance and things like that. Uh, let's go to number two. Jason, we got a couple events coming up that are too big for one night. That's a that's a new thing. That's never been done before, has it? That's uh, been done quite a bit lately. Oh yeah. Yeah, They're w- really dragging that one out. WWE did it, Impact did it, and now AEW and NXT are both doing it as we're having a square off on you Wednesday night. Oh my goodness! How could I leave New New Japan out? They were the trendsetter. It's very upset. They were the trendsetter. They took their uh, you know a ten hour card and broke it up into two nights <laughs> so that we could actually consume it and enjoy it. Yeah. But uh, Great American Bash from NXT is going to be going head-to-head with Fighter Fest for AEW the next two weeks. Like we said, both too big for one night. Looking at the cards, Jason, I'm going to uh, run down the night one cards for both promotions. I want you to tell me if you could only watch one and never see the other one. Now, we know through the power of DVR that we can watch whatever we want, whenever we want. But if you could only ever watch one of them. The Fighter Fest Night 1 card is MJF and Wardlow taking on Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. We've got Private Party, and you are all invited, taking on Santana and Ortiz. We've got Hikaru Shida defending the women's title against Penelope Ford. We've got Kenny Omega and Adam Hangman Page defending the tag belts against Best Friends. And we've got Cody defending his TNT title against Jake Hager. For the that's, great, all on, that's all on night one? That's all on night one, baby. Big stuff. Uh, great American Bash, we've got Rhea Ripley taking on Aaliyah and Robert Stone in a handicap match. If Rhea Ripley loses, she has to join the Robert Stone brand, Jason. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, we've got a strap match with your boy Dexter Loomis taking on Roderick Strong. Jesus. We've got Timothy Thatcher taking on Oni Lorcan. Who? <laughs> We've got an elimination match to, to determine the number one contender for the women's title. We've got Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, Tegan Knox, and Candice LeRae. It is a four-way elimination style, so whoever is the last woman standing will be the number one contender for the uh, NXT women's title. And in your main event, this is a non-title match. We've got NXT champion Io Shirai taking on my girl, Sasha Banks. It's boss time! So, which one of those cards, Jason, do you absolutely have to see as far as night one goes? I mean, if you want to go top to bottom, I think uh, Fighter Fest blows Great American Bash out of the water. Top to bottom. They had to throw Sasha Banks on the card to kind of have something to go against. Yeah, half, half of your main event isn't even an NXT talent. No. And, and they've been doing that a little bit just to keep... You know, we saw it with Charlotte, Charlotte, and, uh, you know, some of them. And, you know, Rhea Ripley's lost a lot of steam. Oh, yeah. Like, and uh, I don't, th- I believe she won this Wednesday, mm-hmm. I believe it was. She did. And it was the first time since February that she's won a match. And then you wonder why she's cooled down, and you're like, well, I mean, that's pretty easy to see. You know, I, she, I, I mean, she's wrestling Aaliyah, so I don't know how you can tell me that she's not in high-profile matches. Oh, okay. Who, who's Aaliyah? It may just be the greatest wrestling match ever. 
Aaliyah was that uh, singer. Uh, she was like 15, and she uh, she she was married to R. Kelly when she was like 15, and which we should have seen this R. Kelly writing on the wall like years ago as well. Yeah. You know, while we're talking about pieces of shit. Uh, then she tragically died in a plane crash, I believe, like when she was very young. But apparently she's back now, and she's wrestling. Uh, she's part of the Robert Stone brand and wrestling against Rhea Ripley. Now, who else is part of the Robert Stone brand? It's, uh, it's just Aaliyah. Terrible. Just Aaliyah. <laughs> so it's it, it, looking all like he partied all night. Uh, he's week? he's getting a little better each week. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. He he did throw a shoe at at Rhea Ripley last week, and then she chased him around. I was telling shoe. I, I was telling Dougie Rustling though that I was so impressed with with what Robert Stone's been doing the last couple weeks, like playing the chicken shit heel and running away from Rhea Ripley. And I just think he's I think he's so talented. I hope they're. It looks like they're starting to use him more. You know, I was a I was a big fan of of. Robbie E and, and Impact when he was with uh, who was the guy that wore the, uh, the sweater vest with him? Uh, uh, Big Rob Terry. Rob Big Terry. Rob Terry. <laughs> when he had the uh, the velvet rope and he would let him into the ring, I thought that was just I thought that was great. I thought that it's was fantastic list. stuff. Jericho yeah, stole yeah, exactly. It even said like the you know you're not on the list, and he had like the same like silver clipboard, and I thought it was good stuff, man. I I think. Uh, Robert Stone is is sorely underrated, and I kind of hope Rhea Ripley has to join the Robert Stone brand. I kind of hope like that happens because it would give her it would give Rhea something to do. You know, she could not be happy about it, but then like she could start winning matches, like with you know Robert Stone cheating for her, and then she doesn't like that, but then she she knows she's contractually obligated, and then she eventually you know breaks out of the group and goes chase the title again. But that would give her something you know worthwhile to do while she's cooled off right now. Yeah, I mean, because I hate to say she needs something to do, but I mean this kind of one match a week type thing where no you know isn't that crazy? She just, she, yeah, it's just she was so hot. For, you know, going into Mania and all that. And mm-hmm. then she had a just, great weekend at uh, Survivor Series weekend with the the women's war games match and then the the women's Survivor Series match. She really got highlighted. And then she was all set to de- be the first person to ever defend the NXT women's title at WrestleMania. And then COVID happened and then WrestleMania got scaled down. And then she had issues, uh, travel issues, you know, getting back from, uh, she's from Down Under, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, she had trouble traveling back and just, it just hasn't been the same. So this will give her something to do, but I agree with you, man. I think that, you know, if we're just looking at night one, you know, Fighter Fest from top to bottom is just the better show. I mean, I'm, I'm really not that interested in Dexter Loomis against Roderick Strong. Why not, Dan? I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm glad they're they're trying to give Roderick, like, some character. And, you know, he's not just in there just wrestling really good matches. They're actually kind of, you know, building his character a little bit. But I just don't, I don't get the Dexter Loomis fascination. I never got it an impact. I think you're one of the, Dexter Loomis... Uh, aka Sam Shaw when he was in Impact that's one of the few Impact guys that you never really got on board with am I wrong? I mean I wasn't a great fan of him in uh, Impact either and it's right that's what I'm saying same, 
And you yeah. and you support everybody that's ever been in Impact. But it's the same gimmick. He just steals guys now instead of creeping on Christy Hemi. <laughs> and he was and he was the you know portraying when he was Sam Shaw he was portraying the character from the Dexter Showtime TV show, and now he's his name actually is Dexter. And yeah, and now like name. I believe you said he looks like uh, Hitler created him in a lab. <laughs> so he oh. looks like if we were. Like if Hitler was looking for somebody to like put on propaganda posters, uh, you know that that would be the blonde haired blue eyed like uh, porn mustache creepy guy that 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 they would get. And he's a baby face, by the way. I just wanted to say that too. And he's kidnapping people. It, <laughs> it's like when Hogan was you know got eliminated from the Royal Rumble and pulled uh, people out and was raking people's backs and people just went nit crazy. Yeah. Like, that's not babyface stuff, guys. I'm just saying. Uh, you know, th- what does stand out for me, I know uh, we're not going to talk too much about the next week's card, Night 2, but, you know, Jericho and Orange Cassidy is going to be on Night 2 of Fighter Fest. Uh, night 2 is also going to have that eight-man tag with FTR teaming up with the Young Bucks to take on Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. And then we're also going to have Moxley defending his uh, belt against Cage. So night two for Fighter Fest looks pretty strong as well. What's the over under on the Lucha Brothers tagging in and out? I'm going to say zero. <laughs> <laughs> if they if they make a tag, I'll be shocked. No, I agree. And, yeah. and FTR has has talked about that on uh, on Twitter and social media. Talked about the fact that. You know the Lucha Bros. They they don't even know how to tag. How are they going to be call call themselves the greatest tag team in the in the world? <laughs> Zero tags. But the ladies on NXT, man, I, I I'm so excited for Io Shirai and Sasha Banks. This month we get Sasha Banks against Io Shirai and Sasha Banks against Asuka within a couple weeks of each other. I think that's uh, fantastic. And then that four way elimination match for the number one contender. I think the ladies are really carrying uh, night one of Great American Bash and, you know, I think uh, the entirety of Great American Bash, the ladies on the NXT brand are carrying it. Yeah, and I was going to say, they know where they're at with that, and they know that that's a weakness of mm-hmm. AEW, or yep. at least in my mind. No, I, know, no uh, definitely. I think everybody would agree you know, with that. Yeah, I was going to say, they know that's their weakness, so they can grab the other side sure. of the coin. And then I thought they were doing the best they got with you know, the stu- the guys that are over right now, they put him in a triple threat, you know, and now we're going to get Keith Lee versus Adam Cole on night two, mm-hmm. I believe. Yep. For what? In, are they just merging the belts? They're mer- uh, the winner take all. Winner so take some, all somebody's so going to be a champ champ. A champ champ. Yeah. So that's great, though. That's That really elevates Keith Lee, also gets into the next level. Um, but I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, tag team wrestling, and I think that we talk great amount or excuse me, Fighter Fest, the night one, not only the Omega mm-hmm. match with Best Friends, which should be crazy, but I think Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party is going to surprise. This is you know, a private should... party, but Jason is invited. You got invited to the private party, man. I'm there, man. They knew I was a big fan of Santana and Ortiz, so. <laughs> That's that impact bias coming through right there. <laughs> That's not but, true. Yeah, I mean. So far, it looks, it looks like Fire Fest will definitely be the better up-and-down card, but I am excited to see at least Sasha and uh, Sasha and Io. They should just give them 30. Yeah. Just go out there and do their thing. 
Uh, what's your favorite Timothy Thatcher match? Uh, the next one. Who? <laughs> well, his next one's going to be against uh, Oni Lorcan. Yes. Yeah, Who? Good, right? Is that what you want? Get it, give it to me. Give me what I want. Oni Lorcan's a guy that kind of looks like uh, Cesaro, right? Uh, and he also uh, looks like Danny Birch. And oh. He, and he tagged with Danny Birch, and I couldn't tell him apart. <laughs> What was that? Uh, I actually remember that. That was one of those UK matches you made me watch. Sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> you want to kick my friend in his dick when the ref's back is turned? That's what Will's probably listening to this like that match was really good, guys. <laughs> well, he's 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 got an NXT UK bias, as we yeah. know. He likes that El Ligero guy that got uh, released. He gone. Yeah. Let's go to number three. As we noted a couple weeks back. Paul Heyman has been ousted as head of a creative executive director or creative procedures, whatever his title was, <laughs> a vice president of uh, wrestling executive story, producer. executive producer, creator, director, <laughs> Paul Heyman gone, uh, back to just being an on-screen character, and Bruce Pritchard, brother love himself, is now running SmackDown and Raw, and... Jason, you put on your rundown here, you've noticed some big differences between Heyman's vision of Raw and Bruce Prichard's vision of Raw. Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, I feel like you could tell right away that you went right, he went back to just the bread and butter of, you know, all of a sudden the big shows in multiple segments. And, you know, we haven't seen the big show since, what, the night after WrestleMania? Mm-hmm. I believe, and... And, uh, and there was a long time before that, too. You know, there was yeah, exactly. big gaps. Yeah, I mean, the what the in-ring time like where I think uh, Paul was pulling out you know match after match uh, you know we saw Humberto Carrillo versus Angel Garza for 30 minutes mm-hmm. and it was you know give or take if you like that or not you know at least gave us something to watch mm-hmm. where now we got I think last week was what was it 20 28 minutes of total ring time 21 uh, minutes on your on your notes here you have 23 minutes of total ring time on a three hour show that's pretty great. That, no you know, that, that reminds me of when Russo came to WCW. Yeah. And there was, I mean, and when, and even when Russo was writing uh, TNA, they would have, you know, two hour shows with like 18 minutes of wrestling on it. So there's a lot more talking and a lot less wrestling. And some people like that. You know, I personally, you know, do like the, the promo segments, but I don't want it to be all promo segments, you know. I I know we're kind of we're we're uh, very uh, as wrestling fans that you know no matter what they give us we we want something different. But you know, Paul was leaning on building stars, and you know he kind of had this vision that it was going to take him months and months and months, and that we might have to sacrifice some some ratings in the meantime. And Vince just didn't like that. So they're kind of doing this this short term short term booking, and I think uh, your boy Meltzer even had something that came out. Uh, it said he uh, Meltzer claims McMahon wants creative to quote book on a weekly basis rather than thinking ahead. So I don't know, man. That's that's hot shot booking from from week to week. It seems like they've they've had a like almost like a theme every week. We had the one where. It was Championship Monday where all those titles were defended. 
we had one where the Christian return and the in-ring uh, tease of a return to Christian was kind of the theme for the show. It's been focused, like each show has been focused on one big thing to try to boost ratings. And I just don't know how I feel about that. I kind of liked what, what Paul was doing because I liked Raw more than I did SmackDown for sure. Uh, when Heyman took over versus uh, the SmackDown, I, you know, we said here that that SmackDown is the worst wrestling show on TV, and that includes Ring of Honor. But you know, chasing ratings versus building for the future—I don't know how how good of an idea that is. But you know, as long as it pleases uh, the man at the head of the table, that being uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon himself, I guess you're doing your job, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, he's what it comes down to, and Bruce has got to be doing something right if he's taking over two of the three shows. And there's even rumors he's got a hand in NXT, which... Oh, I'm sure it's coming, baby. I'm sure it's coming. I was going to say, which might explain how, I don't want to say boring, but how watered down it's been lately. But, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. And those, by the way, those stats were for last Monday's show, not Mm -hmm. the one that aired last night for anyone that... Gotcha. You know, I didn't quite get the new ones, but the Monday show did not boost ratings. It was tied for the third lowest of the year. So who would have thought Big Show in a handicap match would not be money 2020? <laughs> well, mean, you, uh, in your notes here, you talked about the older talent being pushed. You know, on the June 15th show, which was uh, two, week, uh, two weeks ago for when we were recording this, Randy Orton, Ric Flair, Christian... The Big Show, Rey Mysterio, and MVP were all in uh, prominent roles on that show. So, what year is it? Is uh, I think, uh, let me check my watch here. I believe it's uh, 2001. Oh, okay. So, we're good. I mean, that sounds like a hell of a, <laughs> hell of a main event. <laughs> yeah, we could have, uh, you know, Orton against Flair and, you know, Christian against uh, Rey Mysterio, the Big Show against MVP and Lashley and a handicap match. I'm in, to baby. Fair, to be fair, I want to say what they've done with MVP has actually made him relevant. They're doing the right thing. I agree. I, I like I like how <laughs> they've been using MVP and I like him. I like him with Lashley. It's given Lashley. It's made Lashley feel more important like yeah. than he has in honestly in the last couple of years. Since he went to WWE, pretty much, general. pretty much, you know, yeah. and I, I love, I love Lashley getting away from Lana. That makes, yeah. that makes me very happy. It, the MVP thing makes a lot of sense to me. And, and Randy Orton might be the best here in heel in wrestling right now. It's like Randy Orton and MJF, one A, one one B. Well, we're, yeah, it's and it's gonna, you know, we'll see how how it goes. You know, booking on a weekly basis can, and if you, if you don't know where you're going. That could be that could be very risky if you don't have uh, an end point in sight. If you don't have a destination in sight, and you're just kind of rolling down the road, you know, just keep putting gas in the car, and you know, we'll just see where we end up. You know, you might end up in a ditch. You know, just saying. No, but I'm concerned about like hot shotting title changes, things like that, to try to pop a rating. Like, you know, you're gonna start, you know, killing. Like Bailey's been the champion for what? A year, yeah, you know, and you're gonna now. Granted, yes, it hasn't been the most memorable title run, but I don't want to see a year title reign end in the middle of a eight o'clock segment on Monday Night Raw. Sure, you know, 
but and yeah, but they, they might do that to to boost ratings, you know. Well, yeah, and that's you know that's the old WCW. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw the world title change hands, you know, six times in six weeks. Yep. You know, they they would they would look at the minute by minute ratings. Yeah. And and they would they would make sure that the the entrance of of the champion would come you know right at the top of the hour and you know the title change would happen right when the uh, you know the 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 middle of a, the competing match and the, uh, the competing segment it was down to it was you know down to the microscopic uh, tendencies of that show to to just to try to you know pop a rating and you know that might pop a rating but in the long run you're gonna I think you're going to uh, lose a lot of people if you keep if you just keep giving you know shock 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 all the time you know just to, to pop a rating then nothing's shocking anymore exactly you eventually just get wore out on mm-hmm. that you know and I mean I don't know how do you feel about going to the the established stars like I don't I mean you're talking guys who are mojo Raleigh oh God mojo Raleigh Mojo is missing in action, sir. Well, that's because his his buddy uh, went back to the NFL, so we don't have any use for him. Which is fine. Which is fine. You know what I mean? He's not there to call Shorty G short. You know, what are we going to do without that? I don't know. But, uh, but, I mean, to be honest, there's no reason Big Show should be beating Andrade and Angel Garza in a handicap match, no matter who you're trying to push. You know what I mean? And Andrade, both of them actually have a chance to be big stars. Mm-hmm. You know, and if if not even here, just in the Latino community. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got two guys that can go. You know. But Big Show brings in the giant community. That's true. So, you know, that's a big get for WWE if they can if they can zero in on the 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 giant Caucasian community. Okay. Then I think that they really would be on the right track for getting those ratings up to where they were in the Attitude Era. Yeah, I mean, about four of those people would probably turn into the show and be like, oh, I could do this. You know, four's pretty good. Not here in the World Wrestling Federation, and certainly not on Monday Night Raw. Well, there you have it. There, Uh, There you have it. Well, it's Jason's time to shine. Let's go to number four. Jason, let's talk some Impact Wrestling. All right. A lot of a uh, lot of positive stuff coming out of Impact lately. A um, lot of a uh, lot of fans excited about uh, you know the the things that are they're going on in the company. The company is on solid footing right now. They've got uh, you know a champ who's in it for the long. Oh, hold on. <laughs> from one of our producers that says that Impact Wrestling has fired their champion Tessa Blanchard and has stripped her of the title just weeks before their big slam anniversary pay-per-view. Jason, what went wrong and which side is to blame here? Well, if, depending on the story you believe is that they asked her to send in promo work from her home during the COVID crisis, and she just blatantly didn't do it. Okay, now, hold on a second. Okay. Because we were about 20 minutes late recording this podcast today because somebody on here had technical issues. Now, may, so maybe we should just take a step back 
and look into why Tessa couldn't send in those promos. Maybe her computer was updating. Maybe she couldn't, maybe her camera, maybe Skype told her her camera was in use by another application. You know, maybe maybe her battery was dead. Uh, you know what, Dan? I'm here, though. I made it work. You did. And she should have made it work, too. <laughs> but Please, and- please, just be quiet and listen, because let me tell you something. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I don't, I don't think Impact should get any blame for this. I don't. I don't think this is on them at all. They asked their employee, the person that they made the face of their company, which is their fault. Now, that is 100% their fault to do basically a job, you know, that she's paid to do. And uh, she pretty paid very well. She was apparently the highest paid person in, you know, Impact Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So and she just blatantly didn't do it. So what do you what do you do if well you don't do your job most of the time so that's a bad example. That's true. But <laughs> you know. That's, yeah, you got to find me first before you yeah. tell, tell, make me do my job. I'm always hiding. But uh, yeah, so I, I mean, and, and there was you know rumors and innuendo that she wasn't going to be at Slammiversary anyway, so she wasn't sure why they were promoting her. And you know, which if that was the real case, then that is their fault. But I think they made the right move to do it ahead of time instead of waiting for you to buy the pay-per-view and being like, well, Tessa's not here after you spend $40 on a pay-per-view. Now, is it true that her contract was up at the end of June anyway? Yes, and that's what they said. They were working on an extension for her to come drop the title. Mm -hmm. They couldn't figure it out. So here we are. So, and then... Since she didn't want to do any of the video work or even come drop the title, they just fired her. It pisses me off a little bit with Tessa because this is a company that gave her an opportunity and this and she is the and I know I think Sexy Star was like the Lucha Underground champ for a while, but she, Tessa is the first female in a prominent wrestling organization to hold the world title. They, they put everything behind her. They put strapped the rocket ship to her. They paid her super well, like you said, being the highest paid performer on that roster. And even with the, the accusations that came out, uh, the race, racist accusations that came out that weekend before that she was going to win the title, they still went with her. They still put everything behind her. And she couldn't even send in some promos? I yeah. mean, I don't know, man. That's then, it's hard you know, to. There's been those, those rumors around that she's been hard to work with for her her whole career, and mm-hmm. she's 24. Yeah. You know, how do you build that up? And you know, there were so many girls talking about what a you know. I hate to keep using piece of shit. Oh no, it's a great a, saying. It's a great. You saying. know what a what a piece of work she is, and like you said, they strapped the rocket to her, wanted to make her the face of a company, and uh, you know that's and that's a huge impact problem Mm -hmm. is they are they are just big enough to where you get notoriety Mm -hmm. and then you know you leave for greener pastures so or say i mean i have a list of the impact champions since anthem took over we got del rio piece of shit fired uh eli drake good champion beat up by austin aries in street clothes Mm -hmm. and lost without even having a real match and then, they, and then they booked him and promoted him against Tessa Blanchard WrestleMania weekend without telling him. 
Yeah, without his permission. And then he had to come out and said, I don't want to do that. I'm, I don't yeah. feel comfortable doing that. And so they said, okay, well, we're going to bury you then. Yeah, basically he was done after that, mm-hmm. which is terrible because I, I always was on the Eli Drake train. They should, yeah, they should, have, they should have been. He could have been an impact lifer if they yeah. would have, if they really would have put everything behind him. But I think they, the, the people that they choose to put everything behind usually end up coming back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, I mean, I got the whole list like this. It's Pentagon Jr., who didn't do anything wrong. He just left when his contract was up. But Aries left company through a tantrum on public, mm-hmm. on TV. Yep. You know, Aries is always, again, piece of shit. He always is upset about something. You know, you could hand him a blank check and he would find something to complain about. Yeah, well, you know, I don't have a pen to, to write yes. with. <laughs> so I'd have to well, walk uh, all the way over across the other side of the house to get a pen to fill out this blank check. He just he just perpetually, you know, in a you know, like somebody shitting his Cheerios. You know, you got Johnny Impact, good champion again. You know, didn't do anything wrong. Brian Cage hurt basically the whole time he was world champion. You know, and then basically was used, used. You know, his comeback couldn't move. Mm-hmm. You you know he had his leg ta- you know taped up. Sorry, I'm getting upset. You got me all fired up over. I like it, man. You got. You know, Sammy Callahan, who's probably the best fucking champion on the list, and he only got three months, and that hurts me to even say it. I know it upsets you. And dropped it to, he dropped it to Tessa, right? Yeah, Tessa, for no reason, mm-hmm. essentially, at this point. They're thinking they should have just yeah. kept it on Sammy. Yeah, they, who would have ever thought you would say that? Your yeah, words. I know. <laughs> option C right yeah, there. Yeah, option C. I'll take the gun. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't know. And I think that is just a serious problem with them is, like I said, they're just big enough as, you know, uh, to, you know, you're, you, to get people notoriety. And you're on TV, you know, you're on, you know, inter- the worldwide. Worldwide, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're huge everywhere but the U.S., mm-hmm. which is crazy. And they're, on, they're on the biggest network now that they've been on since the, since the spike days. Yes, yeah, which, I mean, you can say what you want about that, because uh-huh. I know, you know, a lot of people still don't get access, but... But, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's in a, you know, it's... A it's, huge leap from where they were. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's better in Destination America. Well, yeah, you know, with Pit Boss coming on next. Or, or the, uh, <laughs> or the, uh, Pursuit Network. Yeah, that's... I'm, st- I'm still in pursuit of trying to find that channel, by the way. <laughs> do <Do-do-tsh>. yeah. <laughs> So let's let's take a look at the uh, roster as uh, it's in flux right now with Tessa gone. Uh, seemingly, we're going to have a uh, the five way that was supposed to take place at Slammiversary. I'm the rumor now is that it's going to be a four way now that Michael Elgin is also out. So we would have right eight, now there's three, three people left. Right. I've, the the report that I read today and I think uh, it might have been from Meltzer, it might have been from uh uh who's uh the uh not not Alvarez but uh, Wade Keller. I think it might have been Wade Keller said that the plan right now is to have a four-way in the main event where it would be Ace Austin, Eddie Edwards, Trey and a surprise. Ooh. Trouble, 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 <laughs> trouble, trouble, trouble. So uh, that kind of like leads us to, to the discussion here about Tessa being gone, Elgin being out, Joey Ryan being out, Dave Chris being out. That opens up 
a lot of spots on the roster here, and you would think, and you kind of mentioned to me off air that this is a time that Impact could really reload because there's a lot of talent out there because of uh, what do they call? They call it Black Wednesday, the day that all the wrestlers got released from WWE. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's... I couldn't remember what, what day of the week it was, but there's a lot of prominent talent out there, and they're continuing to push the Slammiversary surprises, Jason. I um, love it. What's your latest uh, guess on uh, what could happen in a couple weeks at Slammiversary? I don't know. Last week was all about aces and eights, which is kind of strange, but because uh, I, know, I know if I'm sitting there and we're watching this together... Ken Anderson's non-exercising ass walks out. Oh yeah. man, if we, if we get if we get Wes Briscoe though, how about how about Garrett Bischoff? Oh, Garrett Bischoff and Wes Briscoe, I'd be so excited. <laughs> That's not what I want. I just don't want to listen to you if I have to see Ken Anderson and D'Lo Brown suit up. <laughs> but you know, Bully Ray though. You don't like Bully Ray, but I like what he brings to the table. <laughs> yeah, he usually brings a bunch of food. Oh, here we go with the fat jokes. <laughs> You're better than that, Dan. You're better than that. I'm not. I'm really not. I'm I'm not I'm you talk about pieces of shit. Here's one right here. So uh but yeah, I, the, but the, I think we'll see go what ahead. I mean all the rumors in Innuendo have uh, An- or, uh, Anderson and Gallows going to impact because they worked a deal that they could still work new japan when the world opens back up yeah i think it was figure four weekly uh broke that this week that it looks like that's pretty much a done deal that's um, what it sounds like you know but we've heard you know impact say things that are a done deal before and then you know the the bottom falls out but man to me gallows and anderson in impact would be a big get for the promotion i think it would be perfect for them as a tag team and, and they have the freedom to go work at New Japan where they are huge stars. You know, that's what, what made them huge stars was was New Japan and the association with the Bullet Club over there. But to be able to work with New Japan and I think Impact is actually a better landing spot for them than AEW because of how crowded the tag scene is is getting in AEW. Yeah, there's just... And now, you know, I love, like I said, I love tag team wrestling, and AEW almost has the market cornered. There's yep. too much there. Yep. I mean, like Santana and Ortiz are almost an afterthought. Right. I know they're in the they're in the inner circle, but when you think of them as a tag team, you know, yeah. they're they're pretty much just kind of part of the inner circle now. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the best tag teams on the planet, and they're just yeah, and they're an, an afterthought, which is crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, and that's what I'm. I'm curious to see what they do with the revival, you know, or whatever they are now, you know, and. But you know the butcher and the blade gets TV time every week, so. Well, they're they're wearing their uh, their gear now that looks like they're about to paint the outside of the uh, Calcibetta house. <laughs> the white. The white I uh, I hired them for next week. Uh, the yeah. the butcher's got uh, his white overalls on and. Now, does you know, he with paint the, with the monocle? Something yeah, that's like, so he can get the like, details. He can get the, oh, the okay. little details. You know, they're really good at what they do, man. I'm telling you, like they're they're, they're not they're not like. They're, they're not like Greg Maddox where they just come over and paint the corners. <laughs> oh, the fuck? They got to quit putting the butcher in matches with, like, Kenny Omega. Yeah, it exposes, <laughs> it exposes them a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, Gallows and Anderson potentially to impact. Uh, you know, you kind of alluded to 
EC3 maybe uh, showing up in that in that main event, which would be fantastic. But this is really a a really a, a big opportunity for Impact to kind of you know get some of the cancers out of that locker room and bring in some people that that want to be there, that want to be company guys and gals. Anybody else really stand out to you uh, that? If you were the Impact Management, who would you would uh, want to bring in other than Goldberg? I mean, it looks like <laughs> Goldberg. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Heath Slater's coming. Uh, he keeps posting that we'll see him on the 19th, which is the anniversary date. And that's uh, fine. And 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 that's fine. That's as a, long that, as he's not the big surprise. Right. Exactly. Right. You know, exactly. as long as you're not pumping EC3 and get the Gallows and Anderson and I. I get Zack Ryder and Heath Slater and mm-hmm. an out of shape Ken Anderson. Yeah, like that's the kind of stuff that I would be concerned about. But I, I don't know. They seem pretty sure this time. But again, I pumped Bound for Glory and I got to see James Ellsworth. So what about the question mark? You want to see him? That'd be great. He might. <laughs> is he available? I think anybody from NWA is available now because I don't know what really what's going on with that company. Is Nick Aldis available? Because I would love to see him show up in AEW and just like. That's not what I want. Just for Will, <laughs> just to like see him hit, hit like Omega with the NWA title and run away. Stop it! Get some help. <laughs> just to, it would be great. Yeah, you know Will, it would be. Uh, I think I think I know what Will would say. Yeah. Boo! <laughs> he is not a Nick Aldis fan. No, I'm a fan a of guy. his wife though. Oh, Mickey James. Look yeah, for, but I don't know, man. It's a, it's definitely an interesting time for, and it, you know, it's kind of a shame Ring of Honor is not running, because like we didn't even mention uh, like Mike Canellis, Maria Canellis, uh-huh. like, and it's crazy how far they've fallen. For, you know, that's a, a couple that ran Ring of Honor for a couple yeah. years there, and then you know did good stuff and impact, and then the last couple years just were afterthoughts yeah. in WWE minus you know Maria getting pregnant in a. A cuckold fucking <laughs> storyline, but yeah, I think that uh, I think that Mike and Maria would be well suited for for Ring of Honor because that's where they did their best work and they've got a history there. And and I think a lot of those Impact guys that did their best work in, in Impact would would be uh, suited to go back there too. I would I'd love to see EC3 back. I I would uh, love to see Eric Young back. Um, you know, I don't. I just don't want Eric Young to be the big surprise. You know, but I would love to see him on the roster. I'd love to see Heath Slater on the roster. I just, like you said, don't want him to be the big surprise. The name that keeps popping up around uh, the Twitter circles too is James Storm, mm-hmm. which, which is great. But uh, I don't know. I like, like it too. That- you know, put having James Storm on the roster is never a bad thing. I just don't want him to be the main surprise. For you as an outsider, you not that you don't care about Impact, but you're you know you just follow it mostly for the podcast and for me, you know. And so is is it EC3 or bust for you? Oh yeah, like that. Like surprise. If if EC3 is is all I got, I would be a happy camper. I got you. Honestly, like if if that was the only surprise we got, you can you can add whoever you want. After that, you could even not Mojo Raleigh. Oh. Mojo Raleigh. You can even bring in Mojo Raleigh, and as long as I got you know EC3, and you know him him coming in, you know talking about how this company's gone to shit since the Carters left. <laughs> I think I think that would be 
an amazing, amazing thing for amazing gift for the company. Put the title on EC3 and let them run. Let them have a Hogan five-year run with it. <laughs> I'm in, man. Uh, let's wrap it up with number five. According to reports, WWE and Vince McMahon are very serious about planning to have live crowds at their wrestling shows this month. Uh, some news came out uh, within the past day, uh, according to uh, Dave Meltzer, that WWE was hoping to have July 24th and July 27th shows in Lakeland, Florida, but those are not happening. Apparently, according to your buddy Dave, uh, says that uh, be true. as of the last few hours of us recording this show, the uh, he said that that is apparently not going to happen. But... WWE is not giving up because there's also reports that have come out over the last day or so that live Raws are scheduled. And these were shows that were supposed to take place months ago and were canceled and were postponed because of COVID. They have been rescheduled for Cleveland in September 28th, uh, South Carolina, October 5th, and a, also another South Carolina show on November 16th. And that all original tickets for these shows are going to be honored for these new shows. So a couple questions for you, Jason. Number one, is it too soon for WWE to be breaking news like this and putting plans out like this, especially given the drama they've had with their own COVID outbreak lately? Oh, man. The fact that they realistically thought they could run shows with live fans in late July is just delusional. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's it's and the fact that this just came out, I don't know how long that was in the books. I believe they were running where uh, Ring of Honor runs Supercard of Honor, that Lakeland mm-hmm. Arena. I think it sits about ten to eight thousand. Yeah. So even if you do, even if you social distance, which you know, like WWE probably was like, yeah, we don't worry about that. You know, you're you're talking a much smaller crowd than usual. And I just think it's delusional. I mean, you're talking three weeks from now mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things. Like right now, you know, Texas and Florida are back to shutting down. Yeah. You know, and they want to throw, you know, 8,000 people in a room. Yeah, I don't get it, man. It's I think delusional is a very good adjective for for their thoughts. You know, and especially with, you know, the fact that they're getting all this heat from you know, the COVID outbreak that they've had uh, within their own organization. And then now they want to say, all right, well, we're all infected. Let's go put on a card for you guys and let's have every, you know, let's get 8,000 in this, uh, you know, little arena. And in a couple months, it'll all be over. We can go back to, to honoring like all these tickets that we had sold for uh, for earlier in the year. And we can do them in September and October and November. How can you how can you do that with social distancing? If you know, I could see like if you wanted to do a show, and you know maybe only sell like every fourth seat or something like that, and then yeah. you, you couldn't even do it like with people like sitting behind each other either. You know, you would have to do you would have to you know uh, you know caddy corner the seats like by row two. But it is possible to to follow guidelines and. You know, if you had all the food like pre-wrapped that that you sold, so there wouldn't be you know food being prepared or anything like that, you could have you know like pre-packaged you know sandwiches and and pre-packaged uh, uh, you know just like uh, canned drink and bottled drinks and stuff like that. And there, 
and everybody's required to wear a mask, and there, there is a way to potentially make it feasible. You know, you're checking everybody's temperature on the on the way in. Not that that's the end all be all, but it is better than nothing. There, it is possible to that we could do some semblance of that, but it is not possible that we are just going to honor all these tickets that we sold. Oh, you were sitting in row E, seat one. Okay, well that ticket's good for October now. Well, there was somebody sitting right next to me originally. There was somebody sitting right in front of me originally, and you're going to honor all those tickets? That that just doesn't. That's almost the only way I could see that they would think that that's possible if there is if they're one of those coronavirus deniers. You know, like the people that deny that it's even a thing or deny that it, that it even exists. Clearly, that's not true because it's definitely in the performance center. That's not yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like uh, Dynamite here in St. Louis got rescheduled for October 7th. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's like, you know, yeah, it's Chaffetz, it's a smaller building, but there's no way, I, it, you know, unless something drastically changes. Yeah. That ain't, that ain't happening. No. No, that's what I said. Unless, you know, some, there's a miracle drug or shot or something, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that's happening either. And Yeah, I think the and, and that's probably them dynamite rescheduling is probably just a way that they don't have to do refunds. Yeah. You know, because if you say that something's canceled, you have to refund it. If you say it's postponed, then we still <laughs> honor your we still honor your tickets for those. And then, hey, maybe it gets postponed to uh, February of 2021. And maybe it gets postponed again to to April of 2021. That way they're not having to refund a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of revenue. Especially in a time like that. Yeah, exactly. I get it. So I could see them doing that, but... You know, if you realistically ask Tony Khan, do you think this this show's going to happen in October? He would probably say no if he was a betting man. But no. you know, it's it's so weird, man, that the WWE is is trying to like force the issue here. It's almost like they're they're trying to like if we put on a show like that'll make the virus go away. It's like almost like <laughs> the, the hubris that they have to think that this is a. a a good idea and that this is feasible it, it's just mind-blowing to me maybe if everyone gets in the room and blows the virus away like that that church guy yeah that that creepy like, uh, preacher yeah the wind of god covid <laughs> <sighs> i blow you away maybe if all we all do that then it'll go away all the uh, all the people in the upper deck fart at the same time and yeah yeah blow why not? away uh, well, uh, you have in your notes here, there was lots of talent uh, missing from SmackDown this past week, that, which was the uh, Undertaker tribute show. There's been some major talent refusing to work. We have not seen Roman Reigns in a while. We have not seen Sami Zayn in a while. Kevin Owens has recently joined that list of uh, wrestlers that we will probably not see for the foreseeable future. But you had a, a laundry list of people that were not on SmackDown this past week. AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, Sheamus, Otis, Mandy, Sonya Deville, Mojo Raleigh, <laughs> Mojo Raleigh, and Shorty G. So, is this a sign that more wrestlers are going to be refusing to work, especially given the recent outbreak, or was this just a 
you know, like AJ wasn't there because of his issues with The Undertaker and maybe they didn't want to have that many people out there, you know, not socially distancing, clapping for The Undertaker. Do you think it was just a certain circumstance or do you think this is a sign of things to come with more uh, prominent wrestlers in the company? Man, I, I, I don't know. And I just, like, I, AJ Styles should have been out there. Is how I feel, unless, you know, they, they keep saying that they tested all these people, and, you know, we heard the rumor that they weren't happy with the results, so we're going to retest <laughs> them. Well, this isn't a standardized test. You yeah, man, I, I, took the, I took the ACT my, you know, my senior year of high school, and I wasn't happy with the results, so I just took it again. Yeah. That makes sense to me, Jason. That Actually, doesn't work when you're shoving a four-foot fucking Q-tip up your nose. <laughs> Trust me, I, I know all about that. My, as, say, as the only one on this podcast who's had to deal with that, I, uh, you know, I'm okay with that at this point. Cause I, I, but, yeah, that was what that was on uh, the Observer the Observer show. Brian and Dave were talking about it. How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez like, here on Wrestling Observer Live. Exactly, just like that. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, they're just, they're just, it just sounds like WWE is such a mockery when you look, mm-hmm. you, you know, like I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, they, they should be leading the charge and they're playing catch up. You know, yeah. they just now, after all these positive tests said people have to wear masks yeah. in attendance. Yeah. Like just, I mean, in June when summer's been canceled, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I guess masks are fine now. Yeah. You know? They're, they're like the, uh, the European countries that are just now getting like Miami Vice. Yeah, number one new yeah, show. Yeah, number one new show. <laughs> Where's the beef? Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just behind, man. They're behind in the game. It, they are, and it's it's it really is embarrassing, you know, to wrestling fans. For anyone that follows, you know, company stuff like that is to me it's just embarrassing. So I don't I don't know what to say about that, but I hope I hope all those wrestlers are not positive because that is quite a large group of you know the focal points of smackdown for one thing i honestly hope that that there was a lot of wrestlers there because they were taking a stand against this i you know i was i was telling doug when i was on the show last week i i think it would be a i think it would be fantastic if the wwe just shut down for a month which is something that that they probably should have done anyway during this you know not maybe not during this whole time but that would have been good for the wrestlers to give them a break. It would have been good for uh, the families of those wrestlers to know that they could they could quarantine and be safe. I think it would have been good for the fans because you know how geared up are we to have sports back? You know, I I've been watching Korean baseball on ESPN because I want I want baseball back so bad. You know, that's because absence makes the heart grow fonder. How geared up would we as wrestling fans be excited to, like, watch Raw or SmackDown if it was gone for a little while? And I think it would be good for WWE, too, because I honestly think if they replayed classic Raws, you know, like the Stone Cold Beer Truck or the uh, the Rock This Is Your Life or, you know, the uh, the when... Uh, I think Stephanie McMahon and our not step not Stephanie uh, Trish Stratus and Lita main were the first women to ever main event Raw. I think if they replayed classic Raws like that, they would actually do better ratings than what they're doing right now. So, <laughs> so I and I I honestly think that because you Could know. Could you imagine the backlash for that though? 
Like if, you know, they played an old Raw from and it got 2.5 million people to watch instead of, you know, whatever the horse shit they're putting out there today. But it'd be, it, I think it'd be great because then like it would force WWE to like step up their game. It would, it would, it would make, you know, people happy because they actually get to see good wrestling. And, you know, it would, I, I just, it'd be easy for WWE because they already own the content. They just basically have to press play. So they're saving a ton of money. If they were saving all that money, they, they might not have had to uh, let all that talent go. They didn't have to do that anyway, Dan. I know, and there was and there was I there was a report that that came out I think two or three days ago that Vince McMahon has made like 177 million dollars this year. Yeah. So like a profit. Uh, so during the during the pandemic. During the pandemic. Yeah. So I I don't know, man. I, I I WWE like you said is is playing catch up right now, and they should be the figurehead they should be leading the charge they should be the, the standard bearer and they are falling woefully behind uh the crowd so uh that's been your take five in the world of pro wrestling one two three four five five four three two one oh man alive it's number five jason and i will be back with a short segment to your emails so stay tuned Final segment here on the Rhino Wrestling Review. Dan Rhino joined by Jason Calcibetta. Brought to you by our friends at ProWrestling.com. And this final segment is all about you and your emails, which you can always send us at RhinoWrestlingReview at gmail.com. And we'll give you a shout-out and read your question or comment on the air. Uh, the first email comes from Anthony. Who? In Albany, New York. I heard he works at a grocery store. Anthony works in the grocery store. I didn't even. I was like, "What are you talking?" Oh, <laughs> took took me about three seconds. I'm uh, not uh, not very uh, 
fast. Uh, my brain doesn't work very well now uh, nowadays. I haven't uh, been uh, haven't been uh, giving education to the the youth of America in a while, so I'm I'm off my game. I've gotten dumber as the uh, pandemic has gone on. Maybe that's that. COVID though. You can just blame that. Yeah, on that's COVID. true. It, like killed all my brain cells, including the ones that uh, allow me to uh, smell and taste things. <laughs> But uh, Anthony, who works in a grocery store and is saving his pennies for some day, writes, Is WWE wasting Samoa Joe on commentary? He's very good at it, but it seems that they could really use his talents in the ring right now. We talked about in segment one that uh, there's a lot of uh, missing big-name talent on the roster right now because of uh, COVID issues, and we could have some more coming. Samoa Joe is still there. Uh, Have you heard anything? Is he healthy? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I know he was working back from an injury, so I'm not I'm not sure of the status of it because we're terrible journalists. Of course. But how's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. Speaking of terrible jur- journalists, I know <laughs> that's uncalled for. Sir. <laughs> He's a friend of the show. That was a cheap oh. shot. Sorry. No, uh, I know he was hurt. It looks like it was February twentieth. He was hurt in a match. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. You know, five months or um, yeah, I mean four and a half months. Yeah, I can't imagine he's still actually hurt. But I mean, he does I mean, do a great job on commentary. I really enjoy him on commentary. I don't know how I felt about him opening the show on Monday with the the contract signing and you know just women brawling all around him. I don't know <laughs> if you if you saw that or not. It was kind of kind of strange. But, you know, I think this, you know, I think Anthony's right. This probably would be a really good opportunity to to give Joe one of the focal spots on Raw, but they seem like they're more content with using him on commentary, and maybe that's what he wants. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and that's, I'm not sure, and, I mean, if you want to be honest about it, outside of the stuff he did with AJ Styles, has any of his WWE stuff been memorable? I mean, maybe I'm just being a little crucial there, but I mean, he's just been another person in WWE. And I think actually commentary has been his best role, you know, so far. Do you want to see, would you uh, rather see him in the ring or would you rather see him continue with the commentary role? I think he can, I'd rather, I want to see him in the ring, but used right. Does that make sense? It does. I know that's a... It's a catch-22 because we're talking about WWE, which is the problem. But I want to see him be Joe the Badass and, you know, push to the top of the card that we all know he can be, not Joe just hanging around in the mid-card, you know. Because right now he'd probably be, you know, fucking around with the 24-7 title or something. And who wants to see that? So you're saying you don't want to see Samoa Joe against (laughs) R-Truth? No. No, I don't. It may all. just be the greatest wrestling match ever. Uh, what is though? Samoa Joe against Akira Tozawa and all his ninjas. And what if Samoa Joe was one of the ninjas? Like, as <gasps> a surprise. Like, there's this, this fat ninja over there. Like, I know who you are. <laughs> it's either Otis or Samoa Joe. <laughs> like, who, who we got? Like, well, he keeps pumping his dick at everybody, so I think it could be Otis. <laughs> and he's got a briefcase. So. <laughs> full of uh, full of uh, cold cuts. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. That's what I'm going to get you for your uh, birthday: a briefcase full of cold, cold cuts. cuts. 
it's a cold cut. Oh yeah. yeah. Final email comes from Top Tier Heel. Although I want Samoa Joe. You didn't say. Oh. Um, I, mean, I, I, I honestly, I, I'd honestly I like to see him. I love Samoa Joe, and you know, because I have an impact bias. Uh, so I would, I would like to see Samoa Joe in, in the ring, but you know, maybe that's not what he wants. Maybe he, he's ready to start transitioning to uh, his his next role in wrestling. I think he's been hurt a lot in WWE, and I think that might just be one of the things that you know he worked really hard between Ring of Honor and Impact. You know, mm-hmm. he ran his body pretty hard. A lot, all, all those great. Ring of Honor guys did, you know. Yeah. I don't we're, know if it's quite breaking down or... You know, we're seeing it now with, like, Cesaro, who's always seemingly hurt. Uh, he's got... Yeah. And whose body is being held together by K-Tape. You know, yeah. guys like, uh, you know, Kevin Kevin Owens had, had a lot of injuries. Uh, Sami Zayn's had a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, all these, you know, Ring of Honor guys who... You know, Daniel Bryan, same thing. Uh, Seth Rollins ha- has had a lot of injuries. You a know, quick... Uh, a quick Google search here says that they're concerned about his concussions. Oh, so Samoa Joe's concussion. Which changes the game entirely. Yeah, for sure. If you're talking about concussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like I mean, that's a that's a whole uh, it's a whole different ball game that you're dealing with when you're dealing with the brain. So maybe uh, this is where we're going to see Samoa Joe for foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. Uh, final email here from Top Tier Heel writes: Just curious if you guys have ever stopped watching wrestling. For a long period of time if so what made you quit and what brought you back so jason were you uh have you been a wrestling fan non-stop or did you ever have any gaps in your uh pro wrestling fandom um yeah i definitely had a gap uh right before uh when cm punk took the title and ran away mm-hmm we uh, that kind of brought me back a little bit. That's what you know, I think. That's what brought Doug back too. Dougie wrestling. Yeah, that's why we're meant. We're you know we're meant to beat me and Doug. He just hasn't figured it out yet. You want to kick my friend in his dick when the ref's back is turned? <laughs> we're that's the best tuck, friends. We're be the Tucker and Otis of, <laughs> of uh, pro wrestling. Which one of you is gonna thrust your dick at everybody? I assume that'll well, be you. I'm probably on the Otis. I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I uh. Yeah, so I, I did for a couple of years there. You know, you just kind of lose touch with was there, it. Was there anything just, specifically that made you drop out of, no, of wrestling? Not, was it just not interesting? You weren't into the characters? or? I think I was just growing up at the time. I know mm-hmm. that sounds kind of cheesy since I'm sitting here at 33 and in my boxers doing a wrestling podcast <laughs> with you. But, you know. everything's, cyc- everything's cyclical, man. Everything co- yeah. Everything comes back around. But I think at the time, you know, you're going out, you're doing something. You know, what was that had to be, what, 10 years ago now that Punk took the title? Mm-hmm. I mean, Money in the Bank uh, 2010, maybe? Jesus Christ, we'll have an intern look it up. Yeah, we'll have an intern. Yeah, that's terrible. But, uh, and, and the only other time I really uh, take a break is usually after Mania. I take about two or three or four weeks off. <laughs> it, uh, De- just because there's so much, there's just so much going on usually on Mania week. Like, you'll... You know, a lot of times I'm watching wrestling leading up to Mania, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, you got just on WWE, you got the Hall of Fame, you got NXT, you got Mania, which is you know before this year is ten hours. You know, it's uh, the pipe bomb was almost exactly nine years ago, by the way. So you were pretty okay. close. June well, yeah. June twenty seventh, two thousand eleven. We so, just had the yeah, nine year was... anniversary of the pipe bomb. 
Yeah, so Punk Cena is one of the things that brought me back. So I was 20, 22, 23 at the time. Yeah, I'm sure I had other things on my mind than guys in underwear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that was maybe that's what was what's what was on your mind, guys in underwear. But I'm back, boys. <laughs> but no, and like I said, just I like I usually take a month off or so after Mania just to. You know, because usually that first, after the Raw, after Mania, you usually get a pretty good lull for, Mm -hmm. it just always seems like such a good time to take a step back, and you waste so much time leading up to the weeks of WrestleMania. So I was a a, a diehard wrestling fan, probably from when I was about six years old to when I was about 13, and... You know, I was a big Hogan guy, big Warrior guy, big Macho Man guy, big Roddy Piper guy. Uh, you know, for WCW, it was you know Sting and Luger and uh, you know guy and you know like Steiners and guys like that. But you know, about '93, I want to say when I was about 13, it was probably the end of Hogan's last title run in WWE when he lost it to Yoko. Uh, Yoko like kicked out of the leg drop and then came back and uh, I think it was uh, oh, Harvey Whippleman maybe was like one of the uh, Japanese photographers at ringside and like like <laughs> threw a fireball at Hogan's face or something and and Yoko hit the bonsai drop. It was right after that that Hogan left and then I kind of left too for a few years and I just really wasn't into what they what WWE was like in 94, 95, 96. That was like, like Duke, like Duke, the dumpster. Exactly. <laughs> that was like the Isaac Yankum years. That was the goon years. That's, that was the doink years to Tonka. Jeff Jarrett was out there di- uh, dressed like a dick dancer. Uh, Mabel, Sparky plug, uh, crush. When he was orange, he was orange crush. Uh, the Smoking Guns, Adam Bomb, Bastion Booger. You know, I just wasn't, I didn't care, man. I just didn't care about it. And what brought me back was Nitro. because, And it wasn't Hogan going to WCW either, because Hogan went to WCW uh, a couple years before Nitro. And that's when he was doing, you know, only wrestling like four times a year on the pay-per-views and... He had, like, the big match with Ric Flair, but most of his time was spent, like, doing the Dungeon of Doom thing, the Kevin Sullivan's Dungeon of Doom, where he would wrestle, like, Brutus on a pay-per-view, and he would wrestle Earthquake on a pay-per-view, um, and the Yet- the Yeti tried to, you know, do him in the butt at that, that pay-per-view, that one pay-per-view. Um, I just wasn't... I It was, it was Nitro. It was the... WCW saying that we're going to be live, which was something that I wasn't used to. I wasn't used to having a live wrestling show every Monday because Raw wasn't live every Monday. Um, So it was like that anything could happen, you know, uh, kind of thought process. Raw, uh, Nitro was only an hour when it started. I don't even know if you remember our Nitros, but it was so easily consumable it made you want more by the end of the show, you know, rather than just being exhausted. The fact that WCW for years had always been like the Saturday uh, night and the Sunday night show, and now they're going to go head to head with Raw. So that was that seemed like it was like daring to me that they were 
taking a chance and that they were going to go head-to-head, and that made me think that, hey, if they're going to go head-to-head, they might do some cool stuff on here. And and they did. It was always a surprise. It was always you didn't know what they were going to get from that first Nitro when they were at the Mall of America. And, <laughs> and they opened up the very first match on, on Nitro ever was Jushin Liger against Brian Pillman. I mean, go back and watch that match and tell me that that doesn't hook you back into pro wrestling. You know, if you if you had been you know a lapsed fan for I guess it would have been like three years at that at that point. Uh, but that first show, you know, Luger had ju- was just on the the WWE pay per view the night before, and then Luger shows up on on Nitro and gets in the ring and gets in Hogan's face, and I'm like. In the big white puffy shirt. Yeah, he had the he had the Seinfeld uh, pirate shirt on, <laughs> the button like all the way up to his uh, to his bottom lip. But you know, it was just it was Nitro that brought me back into it, man. And then Nitro, you know, started doing some things that were like revolutionary with you know some of the uh, with some of the camera work, and then the guys they brought in, like guys I had like I wasn't familiar with like Chris Jericho and his like you know, work in Mexico and his work in Japan. I wasn't familiar with, like, the ECW work of, uh, like, uh, Rey Mysterio, and I wasn't familiar with the Eddie Guerreros and the Dean Malenkos and these guys that they brought in, and uh, you know, the uh, the Luchadors I wasn't familiar with until Nitro. And then, you know, it just continued to get better, you know, when Hall and Nash came over, and then the whole NWO thing happened, and then we got, like, the greatest stretch of pro wrestling ever but it all started for me with nitro coming back into it um you know just the wwe when hogan left you know i was i was a big hogan fan and i I gave wwe a chance but i just wasn't into you know the the gimmicky characters that they were doing which sounds weird given that i was a big hogan fan and how you know gimmicky the whole thing was i just you know you're not going to get me with tatanka and sparky plug and bash and booger you know you're just not gonna that doesn't move the needle for me i know it does for some people but uh it just it just didn't for me but nitro brought me back into it and nitro was kind of one of those things that you know it was you know gone in a flash you know seemingly when you look back you think there was like this big long nitro run but it really wasn't there that long but it's still you know i still remember it very fondly because it it's what brought me back into wrestling and, and ignited the Monday Night Wars and you know competition forces companies to step up and forces you to get creative and I think that's why we got some of the best pro wrestling that we've we've ever had and we look back on those years so fondly. Yeah, I mean I agree. Could you imagine if Nitro never happened? Yeah. Like you know, I mean you're just talking like what? I probably what I probably wouldn't be a wrestling fan right now, honestly. Yeah. What would I- Happened in the nineties. What happens to Hulk Hogan? You know the arguably the biggest name in our sport. Mm-hmm. You know what happens? Thunder in Paradise, like would have been, you know, the longest running. Sh- it would still be on. Yeah, it's just it's just <laughs> insane. <laughs> How many times would we hear Mortal Kombat is next? Like we gotta go. The tape machines are rolling. And then all of a sudden, uh, I, I was watching the Luchadors, and all of a sudden, Sub Zero's on my screen. Like I didn't know what happened. You're like, what the hell happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah man. That, no. that So I have, you know, pro- from from the time that I've uh, was born, there was probably a three year lapse there. Because I want to say Nitro was like '97. I want to say the first Nitro was like 
95. 95, okay. September 4th, 95. Gotcha. So I guess there was about a, there was about a two-year lapse there, and then Nitro brought me back, man. So, you know, and then the rest is history. Now I'm a 40-year-old guy uh, talking about uh, pro wrestling, and I'm a huge piece of shit. So. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Remember oh! when hopes and dreams? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember uh, having goals in life? Yeah, yeah. Now we're now we're sitting here on Skype when we only live two miles apart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm, ca- and I'm counting I'm counting down the years to retirement so I can yeah. do even less. Well, that's gonna uh, do it for us here on this edition of the Rhino Wrestling Review. Jason, excellent job formatting the show this week, man. Thanks, man. I tried. I so, gave it a shot. So, well, now now that you did it, the, the here's the problem though. Just like with any job. If you do a good job, if you're good at your job, people are going to expect more out of you. And people are going to ask you to do more. So now I'm expecting uh, you to be uh, formatting shows from time to time. And I'm expecting them all to be gold. I mean, usually if I do it, it's pretty good. So that's not true. (laughs) Thanks to Jason Calcibetta. You can follow him on Twitter at BigJ. 2197. I'm at Dan Rhino. The show is at Rhino underscore wrestling. Don't forget to shoot us those emails, rhinowrestlingreview at gmail.com, and we'll give you a shout out. If you're digging the show, give us a five star Dave Meltzer review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, whether it be. We've been, I, we've been sitting on nine reviews on Apple for ever. So if someone could make that ten at least, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the current state of the Apple reviews for the Rhino Wrestling Review. We know you guys are listening. I see the download numbers. Get off your ass and leave us a review. You don't even got to get off your ass. Get your phone out. I say that in jest. We love we love uh, every one of our listeners, and uh, we appreciate you supporting the show. But if you want to support the show even more, check us out on ProWrestling.com, and then also... Uh, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. We'll be eternally grateful. How about that? <laughs> Maybe if we get to like a certain number of reviews, we can like, uh, you know, send out some some free swag, like random swag or something like that. Yeah, you got a whole wall of swag behind you. Oh, dude! I know no one can see it, but I see a ton of stuff we could get rid of. Hold on. What if I press this? Uh, this new button we found out about this uh <laughs> we found out that skype has a blur my background ah, but what about that now ah, i don't know what's back there but i'm I'm, I'm i feel like i'm in like a 1980s music video right now like all the the backgrounds blurred but i'm like never gonna give you up never gonna let, <laughs> you, never gonna down. let you down <laughs> don't kick out of each other's finishers see ya, see ya. The R to the Y, N to the O, on a block like a tortoise with a slow, on a block like a baker cause I'm picking up my dough, and when I'm in the booth like I'm cooking up a O.